Hello and welcome to the Press Room Podcast with me, Sam Duffett. And me, Sam Fielding. The Press Room Podcast is a podcast series bringing you an exclusive insight into the sporting industry by speaking to managers, coaches, players and members of the media to discuss their journey in sport. Yes, on today's podcast, we're speaking to Halifax royalty in the form of one of the sports industry's most talented photographers. It's Robbie Barrett. Yes, Robbie's rise to the elite of sports photography has been quite remarkable, going from shooting grassroots football in his local village to the World Cup finals in Russia. We'll hear about his story and his advice to young photographers aspiring for the same path too. So please welcome to the Press Room Podcast, it's Robbie Barrett. Well, hello, Robbie Barrett. Welcome to the Press Room Podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Good to have you on. I know you're uh, very busy. Not as busy as you probably would have been pre-lockdown with all the new changes and stuff. How are you finding it all? Uh, difficult, to be honest. Um, it's, it's you know, there's been some big changes, not working anywhere near as much as I would be normally. Um, and that's just due to you know, lockdowns, games getting postponed, um, different restrictions now in the stadium. So, you know, photographers are being restricted into grounds. So, yeah, just trying to plod on really, you know, cover games when I can, but it's difficult at the moment, I must admit. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a mad time for everything really, isn't it, with the, the lack of games and, and what, what people can get into. I guess, I guess you kind of feel a bit lucky when you can go to a game though, don't you? Yeah, that's it. I think you kind of it makes you realise how lucky you are, you know, because you, you know, previous, you know, last year we didn't know this going to happen, obviously, but you kind of you're working non-stop and covering games that you kind of take it on your chin and crack on. But now, when you actually get into a game, you you're lucky and realise how lucky I am to do this job and to get to the places and stadiums and cover the games that I can. So to have that taken away has been. Mentally, yeah, very, very difficult to take, really. Well, I'm going to say we'll get on to all the uh, the different places you've been. Um, you, there's loads of different stuff to cover and, and the 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 span of your career so far, even though you're only 26, 27, is amazing, really. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to that. Um, but I guess a good place to start, Rob, is right at the beginning. I think what's interesting to, to know is that kind of where did it all start for you and where did the idea come about of, right, I want to be a photographer and then more kind of narrow than that is when did you decide that you want to become a sports photographer and, and obviously, you know, how did all that journey begin for you? I think it was a big a big mixture, a lot of things really. You know, you, you've known me for a while and I've always liked my football, always wanted to play football. I think like a lot of people, you know, at a young age, you, you kind of put your heart and soul into that and it just falls in its head, doesn't it, you know? Had a few trials at a few places and stuff like that, and it just it just and well, you get nowhere really, sadly. And then you start thinking about what you actually, you know, real life terms, what you actually need to start doing um, when you're at school, when you're at college, and you know stuff like that. Um, I think it actually started. It, I was at sixth form, and I was doing a few subjects, you know, doing English arts, um, some sort. I think I wanted to be a journalist originally, so I was doing quite well at English language. God. Then yeah, but then I quite liked you know I liked the creative. I, I liked my art and I, liked, I was quite into painting at the time. And they only had one one camera in the art department at school. I just picked it up one day and just it was just like a fish to water. Really, I just just liked it. You know, I was, just picked it up and started taking pictures and getting used to it. And then it was actually my mate who mentioned saying, "Oh, it's a bit boring this doing four different subjects thing, isn't it? I want to want to go and focus on one thing and put my whole energy into that." 
So we left and went to do a pure photography course, um, went to Bradford College and did a two-year course there um, and just kind of cracked on with it there, really. Um, but even that was that's, that's some kind of jump, that, isn't it? You know, that's quite a bold thing to do. I can imagine you telling, like, your mum and dad that and saying, oh, by the way, I'm leaving sixth form and I'm just going to go and do a photography course. Yeah, and that's exactly how they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were, they were sceptical. Yeah, they were, well, you sure about this? And but as they are, they've, they've always been amazing. They've always supported me in you know whatever I want to do. So they kind of you know said, if this is what you really want to do, go and crack on. Um, amazing, and really, think- because I guess I guess a lot of people, um, and, and obviously we'll get onto where you've become and what you've gone on to. Um, it, it's always interesting when you find out in in any career really what people a lot of people see the end product you know a lot of people see Robbie Barrett the photographer who's been around the world and done world cups and champions leagues and everything that premier league and everything that goes with it they probably they forget about all the years and the the time before that you know um volunteering grassroots sport i mean we talked about it just before we started then you know seven or eight years ago taking pictures of you know pub football really I guess that, I mean, speaking from my own experience, when I used to go and cover that kind of stuff, wanting to be a journalist and stuff like that, that's always the hardest thing, I think, because you can be in a field somewhere watching a game and there's no one there and you're pretty sure that no one really cares about it. And you're kind of thinking, wow, you know, the world I want to get to is a million miles away from this. Yeah, and that's exactly how it is. You know, like I say, when I was at college, you kind of, they, they, they make you obviously do your different subjects and, Ask you to go out and take pictures, and like I said, all I wanted to do was football, really. So I started at the pub, pub kind of Sunday league level. And like you say, when you you come from playing yourself as much as I probably kind of fell out of love playing at that time, you found another love in going and photographing. So you're kind of filling that void with, like you say, you're not earning any money out of it, it's off your own back and your own time. Mm. Whereas you could be out, you know, doing a part time job. But you're out photographing for nothing, just to gain that experience and get getting used to being around that environment and just getting practicing, really. You, you touched there on I could have gone and got a part-time job and and earned money. What sacrifices did you have to make to that step that actually, in a few years' time, I want to be working at a professional club or like like you have done works at the World Cup? But just what sacrifices did you make at that time? Uh, well, at one point I was working three jobs because I knew I knew I had to upgrade my camera equipment. When I was at college, the majority of my college course was shot on a film camera, a £10 film camera off eBay, because I couldn't afford a proper digital camera. So in the second year, luckily my parents helped me out and we got a bit of a better camera for me to use, but it was nowhere near the standard that I knew that I needed. Mm-hmm. So like I say, I was, I was making that sacrifice to go and work silly hours, you know, pulling pints in a pub or work as an art technician in school. And then, you know, at one point I was working, cleaning the lines in a pub on a Sunday night, up on a Monday morning to start at seven o'clock in a school. And that Monday night I'd have a game, you know, to go and cover and then back up again Tuesday morning to start to start work again. Hey, they were no wrong with cleaning them lines in the pub. We were, what people need to know, Rob, is that we were in the same pub, <laughs> doing the same stuff. We were. We were, indeed. Good days. We, we we often give a nice little shout out on the on the pod here, so I think we've got to give one to Toby Carvery at the Top in Huddersfield. If anyone's ever passing, they'll probably have pictures of me and you on the wall still, Rob, won't they? I, I think so. Hall of Fame, I think. <laughs> yeah. That rubbing your I, shoes. I, 
Yeah, well, they, they know. no one could, listen. No one could pull pints like us. No one could serve gravy like us. You know, it's one of them. And once you've got it, you've got it. I think if I think if photography ever failed for you, I think you could easily go back there and just run the show again. <laughs> yeah, might go this year, won't we? <laughs> yeah, might end up happening. That. You talked there about the equipment you had starting out, and for a new photographer listening to this podcast. What would you say to those people that they haven't got the best gear with them right now? Is it a matter of just getting out there and taking pictures and, and working hard elsewhere in a secondary job to upgrade your gear? Is, is that what you would kind of give advice to a younger photographer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think when, you, when you're just learning and kind of learning the ropes, you, it doesn't particularly matter what gear you have. It's, it's about your composition and learning your, your manual shutter speeds and, you, you know, getting used to the different angles you can and like creating your own kind of vibe to your pictures and your own style. Um, and then you kind of, I knew I got to a point where I was enjoying what I was doing and I wanted to kick on with it. So I knew I had to earn some money somehow mm-hmm. to, then up, to then upgrade to this to the, the well, gear that I needed to go make it and make it a paying job. Rob, just read you something that you've, uh, you'll know about, which is a quote from your website, actually. Um, to achieve what you desire, you must first uh, have a profound belief in your own abilities to succeed. Now, the the kind of, I guess with that is, when did you first have that belief in your own abilities to succeed? Because it must have been a point where you've gone, oh, I'm actually quite good at this. You know, Obviously, it wouldn't have happened straight away when you walked through the door of the college. But, you know, when, when you've, when you've got that desire to do well and then you've got that thing where, oh, yeah, I know I've got a bit of ability here with it. You know, when did them two things cross for you? Um, good question. I think Instagram helped a lot with that. I think people started getting in touch and asking me to go and shoot things and cover it. Like Soccer Bible got in touch quite early on. Um, they were quite good of up-and-coming photographers to go and, you know, again, it wasn't much money they, they paid, but not, you know, not a great deal to go out and do it. Um and that kind of gave you a bit of confidence to kick on and, like you say, go and keep ticking over with it. Um, but I think I, I think that, that quote, I've, I've always stuck by that quote and I've always said it since I've, you know, started out really. I think you've got to have that confidence in yourself. I think in general life anyway, you've got to have that confidence in yourself because otherwise you'd just completely, you know, get bogged down with everything that's going on, wouldn't you? Mm. Um, but I think particularly in the creative industry, you've got to, have that mentality to know that you're actually you know you're all right at what you do and then it's building upon that learning from people getting experience under your belt um, and making them contacts to help you kick on a bit because the photography world probably more than any other you know smaller aspects of media and and then sport it's such a crowded place where there's so many different people you know I've I've been to games and I've seen you know, you'll know yourself there can be at some games it can be 10 photographers pre-COVID, 10, 20, 50, 100 photographers, 200 photographers. And you're all kind of stood next to each other or you're positioned in similar positions in the ground and you're all pretty much getting the same stuff. So I guess there's even more important there to believe in whatever you're going to do, which might be outside the box, a bit different and try and get something that nobody else can do because really nobody remembers the photographer, I guess, who's kind of run in the mill, gets what everybody else gets. You know, that's that's why I think it sets you apart from pretty much anybody else that, that I've seen, that you you get stuff that everyone goes, wow, where, where on earth did you see that? Or, you know, everyone else might be looking in one direction and you might be looking in the other, you know, and, yeah. and trusting your eye for something. 
when everybody else might be doing something differently. That must be when when you first decided to go down that route, and, and maybe that just happened naturally. That must have been something where you've gone, you know, kind of out, that that outside the box thinking, which has helped you set you apart, definitely. Yeah, I think I think that's the the creative artistic side of it. I think you know I started out with painting and drawing and things like that, and I love all kind of creative, you know, illustration, anything. And I think the more and more you look at different people's work, not necessarily photography, you know, I say it could be artists, you look at how they compose things or do things differently and look at how pictures are used around the world on, you know, billboards or magazines. It ingrains in your brain then that you need to know, don't get me wrong, obviously I'm the, you know, full-time photographer now and there is your bread and butter. You need to shoot pictures to pay the bills basically. And you, you might go a month without feeling a bit bogged down thinking, oh, I'm just chilling out the same stuff here. It's a bit monotonous, it's a bit boring. But then in the back of your head, you know you've got that creative little spark to then get that motivation again to start again and start finding the different pictures. You know, talking through lockdown, when I, when I luckily have been got into a game, without the fans being there, it's a, it's a big, you know, big deal because I've fragged with fans quite well, quite a lot, you know. And if, you, if the game's boring, you can always turn around and capture the raw atmosphere of the fans in a bit different, you know, they, they wear pin badges, they might have tattoos, might wear a certain hat. Um, you know, it, it gives you that outlet to have that creativity and produce something a bit different. Whereas now, it, there's not much to really be shooting, to be honest, it's just everything in front of you. Yeah. Again, that's helping, you know, throughout this tough time, helping pay the bills. So it's, it swings around about, really. Robbie, I, I, coming a little bit back to lockdown, and I guess with no fans in the ground, it's helped you and probably many other photographers actually be a little bit more creative because you actually have got that space to go in the stands where normally you won't have that. So in some respects, has COVID, do you think, helped you and other photographers maybe um, to try something different than you wouldn't usually do? Yeah, I, I think I think it's forced people to really... Like you say, the stands, we, it's some grounds we can go into the stands when fans mm-hmm. are there, but majority is, is quite restrictive, really. Um, and generally with the fans, it's, I'd say it's nicer. But very rarely get to shoot from that vantage point, apart from the World Cup in a country or something like that. So it is nice to go and be able to do something different. I don't mind shooting from that kind of level, mm-hmm. but I you know, I prefer to be pitch side if I can. Um, but a lot of photographers like being up there, like I say, to get something different. Um, it gives a different perspective. So it's it's all good, yeah. I think I think I say I think I think they've been forced into because it has been quite mundane and a bit boring. So I think you kind of get oh I'll get a bit fidgety here. I'll go and move and see if there's anything you know different going on. So, so I think it's been good from that aspect, yeah. I've seen some photographer um, speaking to I can't remember his name now. Kieran um, he used to work at Brighton and he's gone into photography after going from sports media. And he's got a shot where he's at Portsmouth away in the away stand. He's got the kind of terrace where the fans are and he's managed to get a goal in between the gap of there. And you just think he wouldn't have got that shot if he uh, if he wasn't uh, doing, or there was no fans or um, in the ground. So it's, it's, I think it does get the juices flowing in, in terms of photographers. But but moving on to Huddersfield now, um, obviously I've seen, I've gone through your Instagram and, and all that stuff. And how did the opportunity come about for you to work with uh, a newly promoted Premier League side? Uh, that came, well, that came from the the college thing, really, and me knowing that I wanted to push on and progress, really. So it got to a point where I start contacting people and getting in touch and, you know, trying to make them contacts that would help me progress in the career, really, or at least give me some better, you know, better experience at proper mm-hmm. league football 
at the time, like, like Sam just said, I wasn't, I was shooting pub football. That was the only place I was getting to. Um, so I, can't, I think it came through the Hellyford Examiner. I emailed a lot of agencies and people, nobody got back. You know, it was same old story, a lot of emails out, all that time and effort and nobody's willing to get back to you. Don't know if that was down to the work. I probably, well, I probably didn't have a good enough portfolio, to be honest, to mm-hmm. put out there for, to catch anybody's eye. So the Huddersfield Examiner got back after me nagging them probably for a few months on end. And they took me into one game with them. They just chucked me a bib and said, all right, off your pop, come in with me. And then from there, I met Huddersfield Town photographer John Early. And he kind of just took me under his wing and said, yeah, we'll, we'll help you out. We'll you know, allow you to come and shoot games. Again, it was unpaid. You know, it was all, I was still working part-time elsewhere to to keep ticking over um, and it just kind of went from there really and then I I think I was there for three or four seasons from League One League One up to yeah Championship and Premier League yeah you, you spoke there again about going in and doing work for free I guess photographers think that I can go to a game I can sell a, a picture for two three hundred quid and my, my career's off and running but that's not the fact is it that you have to do that groundwork to to get to where you have been like the World Cup finals yeah definitely yeah and you've got to I think that's the same with a lot of jobs, isn't it? You've got, you've got to put that graft in, first and foremost, I think, for your, for your own desire to get there. But I think you've got to show that willing to potential clients as well that won't potentially might want to take you on. So it's got, it's got to be done. You know, if you keep grafting and keep trying to build them contacts, you'll eventually get to some point where you're happy and then you can build upon it, definitely. Do you think you started, or going into the, the Huddersfield Town job, do you think that was the, the real starting point of your career where you you knew this was the lifestyle and, and career path that you wanted to go down? Yeah, definitely. I was shooting probably tw- twice a week, then you know, home and away with Woodsfield Town. So I covered a lot of stadiums during that point as well. So it's, it was in that aspect, from the football interest point of view, that was great for me to kind of just tick off stadiums. But from a work point of view, I was shooting a lot and it was a, a better, the, well, better standard than I had been doing. Mm. Um and also shooting for the club, you kind of got feedback from people within the club that use the pictures from a marketing point of view or social media. You got feedback from players because they'd ask you for pictures. So in that, you build that confidence then as well. So you're getting, you know, nice comments from people. And you think, you know, like I like was earlier, saying you start to feel good then. And then that relates back to your pictures. The next game you might try something different. And then the next game after that, you might try something different again. And that's how you get that kind of feel for your work. And it coincides with, you know, you're feeling good about it and, you know, you're producing with the people that are happy with it. So looking down the line, you'd like to think somebody could take you on because your pictures are doing the talking for themselves, really. Do you ever remember the first moment, Rob, where you either had a, a picture used on like an Instagram or in a newspaper or or somewhere where you went, oh, but, you know, wow, you know, pictures being used there. I think, you know, pretty much everyone that you speak to, whether it's a... Uh, you know, a journalist where they, you know, I remember the first time I had some in the local paper. I remember the first time that something that I'd written went onto a website somewhere, and you're like, oh, you know, you always remember the first one. It's like, oh, it was amazing. That do you ever have that moment that you can hark back to where you think about something like that? Yeah, I think the first picture I ever had printed in a newspaper, weirdly, was um, when I used to live in Brighouse. It was just, um, I think it was a generic picture of the canal. It was just a random, just you know, as a hobbyist kind of walking around taking pictures. And I think they, I don't know how or why they picked it up. They got it from somewhere and it got a nice byline and everything. It was a nice double page spread in the Halifax Courier. Just a nice picture of the local canal. Um, and then I think from the Soccer Bowl thing as well, I think when I started producing stuff for their magazine, that was a 
big a big point in my career for me to kind of realize you know because everything's so digital these days you see everything on you know instagram or but to actually see it physically in a paper mm. and smell the paper and open it up and you see your picture spread you know big and the quality of them on paper compared to just a, a screen you know so that's what you do it for really um but i think the biggest one that sh- probably shocked me the most when Huntsfield Town got promoted to the Premier League and they had the, the, uh, the, the parade around the town, around the train station in, in the town centre. Um, and it was just like a big, nice wide general picture, the coach coming in, all the fans, as you can imagine from a nice you know, parade, we've seen it from uh, Liverpool and everything from winning the league. A few, a few fewer fans of the Liverpool one. And this, this picture's got used in the New York Times. Oh wow! It was it was in the sports section. It's actually it was on, on the wall up there in the office. Sports Thursday, New York Times, nice full, you know, wide shot byline, you know, job lot. And I think that's when you first realise, like, oh god, all, all, all these pictures I'm taking are actually getting somewhere. You know, it's um, where did they find them? I was I was working for AMA by this point, so the, the pictures were going through Getty and they were getting you know getting out throughout the world. But I've never again that was. I think that was my first season, first or second season, proper full season working for AMA. Mm. So I never really realised the the output of where the pictures got to. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, crikey, this is, you know, it's a serious job now. This is, you know, you just well, start producing, <laughs> really, <laughs> because, you know, if, 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 if the, pictures, the pictures are getting that widespread, then they need to be good, don't they? So. Yeah. I guess it was quite cool. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've known you for for years and years I know you love your football and uh, I know how much it meant for you to see Huddersfield get into the Premier League that was a big moment and I guess being there in the uh, you know being there to see it all and capture it all through the lens must have been even more special for you oh it was it was I, I cried I'm, I'll be honest I cried and I couldn't I couldn't even shoot to take pictures you know Schindler scored that penalty and he ran straight towards me the whole staff players everything running straight to my corner it was like it was meant to be. It was strange. That was my first proper. I think I, I think it was my first proper year for like say AMA. So I'd kind of had that rise throughout them years, and it kind of come to this point. The team that I support and the team that I've been shooting to gain that experience, and then it's now my job, and they'd got promoted. I just it just yeah, it was emotional, and I couldn't. I Do you think you would have been happy if your career would have just finished then that day at Wembley? No. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good. No, no, but I remember it was a really special day. One, it was amazing. It was, yeah, yeah, it was. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say World Cup final, other than that, is is a highlight, definitely so far. You keep dropping in the World Cup, mate. We'll get to the World Cup. You don't have to keep <laughs> dropping it in like that. We'll get to the World Cup. Don't worry. I miss it. I miss it. Oh, I think everybody at the moment is missing the fans being there, and um, you know, yeah. I, I, what I will say is, I recommend anyone who's listening to this to go and check out Robbie's website, and and if you look at the emotive pictures that that you capture of the fans and stuff. Again, I was looking through in the last couple of days and it just brings it home a little bit really that, you know, it's it's really sad that there's no one there at the moment, you know, literally anywhere in the country, no one there and and, and fingers still change soon and we can get back to them, them days of having loads of fans in the ground and, and, and as well as the, the emotion that's captured on the pitch, the stuff off the pitch, I think is even more interesting, you know, and, yeah. and you would have seen that yourself. Yeah, I was going to interrupt there, I was looking through your website, I think you were at, 
I'm guessing it was the the San Siro, and there's um, an Italian man just stood there in his uh, Inter Milan shirt with a, a cigarette in his mouth, and you can see everything. And you're not just capturing the the football moments, but you're actually taking pictures of the raw emotions of fans, whether it's the hype of the team winning or or even the lows of losing a game or, or losing a cup final. It's those stories and. As a photographer, you've got to tell a story of, of what's happening, and, and I, th- I think you do that superbly well. But is that something that you can actually work on when fans are inside the ground, the, the emotion side of the game? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that comes from the different coverage of games you do. Like I said, the San Siro, different travelling. I'm very fortunate to be able to travel and cover different leagues and the different cultures of fans. Like he's he's smoking into in, in the San Siro, whereas you know you don't see that generally in a Premier League ground. Um, and I think, I think yeah, like the prem, particularly the playoff finals. I think I love shooting the playoff finals, not just because you're at Wembley. Um, I mean, Wem- Wembley is a well-known stadium to be quite rubbish for photographers generally, but mm. for the to shoot and work, and it's quite difficult for us. But for the fans and the the game, such games like that, I think you you get the tears and you get you can go from like we know football, don't we? You can have heartbreak one minute and absolute joy the next. But such games like the playoffs. It's they're the ones that mean so much, and you get mm-hmm. all that emotion. So you generally shooting the fans for the majority of the game, really, in a playoff mm-hmm. final, and things like that in the World Cup. You know, I think I've got a nice picture in the World Cup of an Iranian fan crying. I can't actually remember if that was a good or bad crying. I think I think that's when <laughs> I think that's when they won. I think, um, but they did lose to it. Portugal. They lost it and then got knocked out. Um, how did all that come about, Rob? The World Cup. We'll go, go on to it if we can. You, you know, I can imagine. I can imagine you being at home and getting the call, and Rob, you going to the World Cup for six weeks. You know, just, what, what, what was that like? You know, finding out that you're going, and and then you know, obviously, I know that your family have been really supportive throughout everything that you've done, um, and and imagine that they were kind of all in that with you, and it's like, you know, wow, you know, all this work I've done for six, seven years, and it's like. Because that's what I mean, I mean, promotions and stuff for Huddersfield at Wembley and everything, but going to a World Cup is like, you know, must have been the aim years and years ago. Yeah, I think that's, well, going back to want to be a football player thing, I think your dream is to, it's a stupid dream, right? Well, it's not stupid, but, you know, you dream to be at a World Cup, don't you? And I'd even dream to be at a World Cup as a fan, to be honest, to be able to afford to go for one thing. You know, it's not a cheap thing to do. Um, but to be there for... As a job getting paid was was pretty special, but it came from. I started work. I say for the started working for AMA for the Westfield Town playoff season. I think prior to that, I'd done half a season with them, and Matthew Ashton, the owner of AMA, kind of really took me under his wing and really, you know, was quite hard on me. Um, Criticised, not you know, criticising, yeah. but yeah, constructive criticism. Yeah, and he really told me what was rubbish and what was good and what can help us make money and what will get used in certain areas. And after did the, what year was it, 2017? So I did the Confederations Cup in Russia 2017. So from that, we kind of knew that I would be doing the World Cup. So I kind of had an inkling that I would be going, but it didn't actually hit home until we started planning flights all over and, you know, hotels and stuff. It kind of sunk in. Today's podcast is brought to you by the nationally acclaimed Friends of Ham Bar and Chartery. Friends of Ham have recently launched their online shop to bring people all over the country some of their finest artisan cheese, natural wines and craft beers that the world has to offer. 
Whether it's a few drinks, nibbles, or a whole night in, Friends of Ham have you covered with everything from small portions of meat or cheese for cooking, cheese and meat platters, as well as substantial food and drink pairing experiences. Nationwide deliveries are available. Go and check them out at www.friendsofham.com for an exclusive 10% discount. The Press Room podcast listeners can use the code PRESSROOM10 at checkout for the 10% discount. I remember, <laughs> um, I remember obviously following it while you were out there and um, I can't remember if England played first. Tunisia, uh, was it? Yeah, I think Tunisia. Harry Kane scored right at the end. Yes. And, and I think that was England's first game. He scored from a header, uh, scored from a corner with a header. And um, I think I am right in saying that he did run over to your corner and he was pretty much on top of you, wasn't he? Uh, he when was, he yeah, scored. yeah. Yeah, and I've seen the picture of a picture of you taking a picture of them. And I remember you, you sharing that. And then, then you must think, like, wow. I mean, don't get any closer than that. And, you know, listen, some people might go to the World Cup and they could have put you on Iran against Poland which would have been good, but, you know, to be there for when England were playing must have been, you know, so special for you. Yeah, and I think it was, like I say, it's kind of not fit, but it was one of them things like the Huddersfield Town getting promoted and then I was doing England at a World Cup and it was the year they did so well, you know, compared to previous years. And you're kind of in dreamland, really. You're a bit like, is this actually happening? You know, what What have I done to deserve this? You know, kind of thing. Um but then you, you look back at all the hard work you've put in previous years, like mm. say working for free, working silly hours or going doing a game you don't really particularly want to do. And it kind of boils down to that. It kind of kind of all comes together, I guess. Just uh, coming in here, obviously you follow England and, and probably watch England as well. How hard was it for you not to jump up and just go, get in there? And you've, you've actually got to hold the camera and go, come on, come to me, come to me. Just in that mind, how do you keep emotions separate to, obviously, the, the job you're doing? That's a, it's a question that I've got asked a lot over the years. Is that I think I think it's just comes down to being, being professional. professional. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got, you've, got to, you've got to be there to do a job, basically. Mm-hmm. And you've got to produce them pictures that are going to pay for your trip out there. And I think, luckily, covering... The team that I supported, mm-hmm. do them doing so well, and I had good experience kind of holding them. Don't get me wrong, you have a, you have a bit of a fist bump here and there, and you'll, <laughs> you might have a few mutters under your mouth and like get in, or you know, but you, I think from that say, still town previously, you kind of trained in your brain to know that you've got to kind of calm it down a bit, which is difficult at times. Is there a favourite game for you at the World Cup? I know I've watched some videos of the Cosmo um, video and, and Butler came out, which we'll come on to uh, shortly. But was there a favourite game for you, England or another nation that you enjoyed taking a picture of? I think I enjoyed them all equally. I think I was just kind of in robot mode, to be honest, because I did that many flights and that lack of sleep. I was so tired that I think you still, because you're so immersed in it all, you enjoy them all for different reasons. I love shooting Egypt because they were just different and they've not really been there before um the likes of argentina mm. just, the fans again the fact the argentinian fans because you've not not really shot south american fans before and they're just mental you know <laughs> just non-stop all game so but obviously england was the, the main one and as, as the fans because i did so well so as the fans kept coming out more and more as well that that world cup it just got better and better you know when you think about the life experience of being able to go to all these places that, you know, just a lad from Brighouse who, you know, went to school in Halifax and all of a sudden he's going to Moscow, St. Petersburg, Kazan, all, all these 
mad places that you would never, ever, ever would have said, oh, I'm going to end up going there. And this is just the World Cup. You know, you talk about pre-seasons that you've been to America, you know, uh, and Europe and Asia, ev- everywhere, you know. Do, do you think that you, you're also, whilst you're grateful for what you've done in the grounds and, you know, on the pitch to the extent of doing the doing the games, but actually being able to go and visit these places, um, you know, speaking from my experience and, and for Sam as well, when, when we've had chances to go to pre-season tours, different places and, and even places in the UK and, and, and Europe where, you know, you'd never be able to to be able to go to Moscow and you'd, you'd probably never book it as a holiday destination. You know, you you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't say to Mrs. Barrett, "Listen, we're going to go to Moscow this summer. Do you fancy it?" You know, like, no, I'd rather just go literally anywhere else. That must have been great to see that side of the World Cup as well and everything that goes on with that. Yeah, and I think that, that comes down to if you're feeling lucky and appreciating what you do, because um, it is almost like having two jobs. Really, it's like a professional traveller and a professional photographer at the same time. Mm. You get so used to getting on planes and packing your bags and walking through airports. Like I said, going to places like to Shanghai with Wolves for um, pre-season tour. Something I'd never even, I wouldn't even dream of going to China, generally. <laughs> Def- definitely not now. Um, <laughs> but the place, like you said, I loved Russia during the World Cup. I've been meaning to take Sophie to Moscow since we left. But again, somewhere that I've never thought to go to, but absolutely adored the place. It was brilliant. Baku for Europa League final. I didn't even know what to replace until I had to go. You know, it's it's... it's yeah, you kind of you got to pinch yourself sometimes to you know, but then again, you, you know you're there to do a job, so you've got to kind of give yourself a bit of a you know, slap around the face and keep going really. How, how important is it, like I said, to capture the the whole country for Russia? I know you're working for your agency and stuff, but how important is it for you? Do you think to actually capture? I think there's a picture of. Um, a young girl doing keepy ups outside a market and to actually capture that for the World Cup, I guess that's just as important as the football that's on display that we all watch on the telly. Yeah, I think you've got to, well, you document, you're documenting the country along the laws of the World Cup, aren't you? So it's, mm. I don't think I've had a time I didn't have a camera around my shoulder or my neck um, for that six weeks I was there. You've got to constantly be ready for just fact because the fans are so dressed up and ready for it. It's a, it's a carnival really to, you know, they're all in the streets, partying together and in the in the colours. So you kind of, yeah, you're documenting on and off the pitch, really. Um, you know, even just walking through airports, there's fans there. You know, Columbia fans boarding a plane. You know, little things like that. They'll, you know, they get used. You know, mm-hmm. it's such a big event. Things like that. People run pieces on that side of the World Cup different you know, cultures the, coming together I guess as well yeah and the kind of behind the scenes of it all and the, the, the unseen of you know I think oh, what game was it now I'd landed in the airport and knackered and just strolling through like oh here we go another game and I can't remember what fans it were might have been Egypt I think it was Egypt and the, all the fans were on the you know the luggage thing that goes around what's it called <laughs> carousel um, carousel yeah the, carous- the carousel <laughs> and there was a fan with a little um, saxophone thing they're all going around on the, you know, singing <laughs> saxophone and sing, singing songs in you know in their language and great atmosphere and saying, you know, I'd snap away and take some pictures of that because that's something that nobody would probably see unless someone's videoed it and put on social media, you know. Um, so yeah, you've got to be on it all the time. Did you uh, did you think about trying that when you got back to Manchester Airport then or not? You know, when you got oh, home, think about riding around on the carousel. <laughs> 
just watched her get to my car and go to sleep. <laughs> I was sick of Air Force by that point. Rob, tell us about the book anyway. Uh, Cosmos, obviously, we've, we've, we've seen little bits of it online and stuff, and, and it's full of some, some amazing pictures in it from, from your time. I can see a few behind you there, the, the, the Gareth Southgate one, which we'll, we'll put on our socials and stuff, which looks great. It's a you know, really memorable photo, but you must have had a bit of fun making the book and stuff like that. Yeah, that was me and my boss, Matt, Matt Ashton, that we put our pictures together and created that. Um, I think we spent, I went to his house in Shrewsbury and we spent two or three days all day on it. You know, it's like we to go through thousands of pictures, selecting the ones we thought were viable to go in a book to sell that people want to see. Um, and then kind of try and tell the story with it as well. Like I say, the behind the scenes that people wouldn't normally see. Um, the emotion side of it, like the Southgate pictures, the England pictures. And that was an, another experience I've never ever, apart from, you know, maybe college putting kind of project book together or something, I've never really done a book for sale. And again, pressure's come with that because it needs, it needs to be good for people to fork out their own money to buy it. But yeah, it was all, all good fun. I'd like to do another, to be honest. We'll, we'll move on because we're probably closing to the hour a mark on the uh, the podcast. But for photographer, photographers who are um, listening to this, I know it's quite interesting to to know what kind of equipment people are using, what's in, in the camera bag. Um, but starting off, what was the first camera that you got hold of and what was the upgrade? The first camera I ever had was given, from, given to me from a, my parents, from my grandpa. It was a Konica film camera. Um and that was just used for hobby shooting, really, you know, loading with film and going around shooting. Um, and then the first digital camera I had to shoot football on was a Pentax KR, I believe, which was rubbish, even worse so now. And then you start progressing up to the... I shoot, I, I went to Canon, just because I liked, just like Canon, to be honest. There's no no reason for it. No rivalry from, from my end. <laughs> and then you start looking at the Canon 1D series and you're getting professional professional bodies and you're getting professional lenses. And then you kind of start getting your collection and building it up. I must admit, I've just started off myself after um, leaving Fleetwood, got a 250D Canon and just invested in a, a 1DX. So it's something that going from a 5 frames per second to a 12, 14, whatever it is on the 1DX, it's um, it's mad really. I'm, now I feel like a professional now with the machine gun uh, sounds on the touchline. But um, obviously we know it's quite an expensive, uh, I don't want to say hobby, but career photography. But I guess to actually, as you said before, saving up for the big lenses that allow you to do more light games with obviously the f2.8 for, for those who are listening. But when you actually got that first lens, what do you actually think when you got your 70 to 200 or your 300, 400 millimeter, uh, millimeter what do you actually think at that point? Do you think I've actually made it now? I think I thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> this big thing. This, this heavy thing I'm carrying around is very expensive. I shouldn't be affording. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think you, I think you feel a, like you've achieved something because you even, you know, even if you, you don't get anywhere after you've purchased that, which you'd like to think you, you know, you would do, but you've achieved getting to that point where you can afford and shoot on something you enjoy shooting on. And like you say, if you, your better cameras can, you know, your higher so capabilities, and you've got your, your lower apertures, and you can shoot at them darker grounds like the lower leagues, and then you. you your work starts getting better so you, yeah I think it's important but you can't get bogged down by it especially when you're starting out you've got to harness your talent first and kind of engage your brain and maybe doing something a bit different or 
get in your style. Again, not in your camera bag, bar camera bodies and lenses. I bet there's other DIY tools, aren't there? It's all glamorous with the cameras, but there's some days where you might have to have a, a Phillips screwdriver, I believe, from watching videos on YouTube. You've got to have all sorts, haven't you? Because you never know what could potentially happen to equipment. Yeah, they're just robots at the end of the day. You know, they're full of screws and computer screens. And if if something falls out that you need, you know, then you need to tighten it. So a lot, a lot of lenses, you know, I've got a little uh, think tank roller bag and you wheel it behind you. You don't really think when you're dragging it. I'll drag it off curbs or other cobbles. And I'm generally quite a bit anal about my, my camera gear. I need to, you need to be, you know, clean and ready and very careful with it. But when you're wheeling it behind, you don't really think. But the damage that can do to, you know, knocking a lens out and loosening a screw, all it needs is for your pictures to be out of focus. There's a little screw to be slightly out. And then you might not realise after the game, then you pitch it mm. after the game pretty much worthless so yeah you need to have all your all your armory ready to go to fix unwanted issues like that you two have just spoken a different language to what <laughs> i'm used to for the last two or three minutes there all these <laughs> numbers robbie i thought you were gonna say that like you, i remember you used to clean your boots like that and it's nice that you still take the same pride but now with your camera you don't have to clean your boots anymore because you don't need them then boots must have been away for a while now well yeah you've got to look at my physical presence at the moment to uh to know things have changed. Can't even go out and play, can't even if you wanted to. No. We've uh, we've got some quick fire questions anyway for the uh, just to finish off, uh, Rob. Some that we've had sent in, some that we've uh, we've, we've kind of conjured up ourselves. Um, now, probably in the last ten years, you've taken, I guess, hundreds of thousands of pictures, probably even more. I dare say even millions. I don't know if that's realistic or not. But what's the what's your favourite ever photo you've taken? You must have one that stands out that you've thought. Yeah, I, uh, I always go back to um, the Paul Pogba picture I took at the, again back to the World Cup, like a broken record. Huh? <laughs> um, go back to the yep. Paul Pogba. It, it was that World Cup final. I'm sure you saw it on the TV. It was like a biblical downpour. It was honestly the pitch pitch side like a pool. It was oh, it was awful. It was just I've never seen rain like it. And there's a shot. Some, I've got it back there somewhere. Something well, I'm that proud of it. And Paul Pogba's kind of pointing to the skies and it's, he's, he's drenched, he's got his men around his neck, he's got a bit of gold confetti on him. And he's, he's pointing to the sky, kind of, I guess, praying to some extent. And it's, you know, this biblical downpour, if he's just won the World Cup with men around his neck, he's drenched. I'm looking, the angle I shot it was showing up to him. So it gives him that kind of presence and that kind of, I don't want to say godlike figure, but, you know, as he's pointing to the sky, it's quite an atmospheric photo. So I always kind of go back to that. And I think that was a nice, a nice picture to finish the, kind of story on as well. Kind of like you say, gone through all that build up, working hard as our younger and then that rain at the final is kind of nice. Yeah, nice picture to kind of finish. It had to be a World Cup picture. I knew it was going to be a World Cup once. Yeah, I think I, I do always kind of go back to Huntsville Town picture as well, play a final, but mm. I, they don't have that creative atmospheric feel to it for me. They just kind of, you know, document Huntsville Town winning the, the playoffs. Whereas that Paul Popper picture is something that I've worked on, you know, learning composure, learning different angles to shoot from, learning the light and how the light's coming in to get my settings right at that pinnacle moment. So I think everything had kind of come to that image. Well, I've seen a picture of you also uh, in the confetti at the World Cup final, uh, just sitting there and absorbing. I bet you were absolutely emotionally drained, though, at, at that stage of the competition. Yeah, it, it all just come to, you know, come to a halt and to, you know, had a stupid amount of flights, lack of sleep, and you'd had this 
biblical downpour that you weren't ready for in my shorts, no waterproof covers for my gear. And a cam had a camera die on me. But at the end of the day, I just shot a World Cup final, so I didn't really care. Um, and then just yeah, just laid there in the, all the gold confetti on the floor. Yeah, it was a special, special moment really, just taking it all in. Looking at, at games, you, you've probably mentioned two games which could be the uh, answer to this question, but but what's the, the favourite game that you've ever been to to take pictures at? Uh, I'd say that the Huddersfield Town final, emotion-wise, game-wise, it was rubbish. It was shocking. But emotion-wise, that was probably the one. Um, Pictures-wise and emotion-wise, probably England against Colombia at the World Cup, that was them winning on penalties. That was... I was... I don't know. I took pictures of that penalty. I was shaking <laughs> like a shitting dog. I was, you know, I was honestly, it was awful, awful. Where was um, that game, Rob? The Columbia game. Yeah, where was it? I think it was Spartak Moscow's ground. Okay, I could, could be wrong, but I think it was. I remember watching that game at home, and it, and it was just a disaster. I remember just a nightmare. You got that feeling like that we're going to lose on penalties again. And, we were at Poolfoot, weren't we, actually? I think we were, we were asked to yeah, stay remember, behind. Yeah. We were, we were like, screen, what on yeah. earth is going on here? We're not going to win. Just that emotion was was unbelievable, wasn't it? I don't know how you would have been able... That must have been a tough one for you to hold it together then. It was, yeah. It was. That was... Like, the, the penalties, no matter what club you're shooting penalties, if it's a big game, it's a big deal. So you know you need to... You've got a certain cap... You've got a certain photo to capture here. So you know the pressure's on to get something from it. That with it being England, it was it was it was ten times the, the pressure, and you know they're not winning penalties in so long. It was, it was yeah, and with Columbia scoring so late on as well, it was even more kind of what the hell's going on here kind of thing. So it was yeah, stressful. Kind of alongside that, then I guess what what's the best ground you've been to in terms of picture wise? You know, I've seen various stuff from America, from obviously Russia, stuff in China, obviously. Um, can't forget the Shea. What a great ground that is. What a ground. That, you know, what a ground. Um, but what's the best one you think you've been to where you've, 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 even yourself you've walked in and gone, wow, this is quite special? I always say the San Siro. I just think architecturally it's so brutal. It's it's you, you come out of the metro up to it and you're walking along and it's just, it's just plonked there. This massive concrete beast of a thing. Then you get inside and it's it's just exactly how you see in the pictures. It's just, you know, it's the different colours of the seats. I, I was very fortunate to shoot with Milan Derby there. And that's where I got the photo of that, that Inter Milan fan smoking. Um, and the atmosphere is just, it's just bonkers. Um, another ground there, uh, Borussia Dortmund's ground, I love just purely because of the wall, again, it's just so different. Um, but there's different reasons to like grounds, you know, like there's a lot of ground in England that stuff like Goodison Park, just nice to take pictures at because you get nice backgrounds. Um, again, the John Smith Stadium is always a soft spot for me just because it's, again, architecturally different and you can get some nice photos there. Um, a lot of ground in America, just big. Shot a few. I was doing a pre-season tournament in America and there was a women's international few games on as well. And they were, it was all at college stadiums and their college grounds are like our league one grounds. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely mental. But, yeah, I'd say number number one, San Siro. I think we once went to school, Rob, to San Siro, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. Yeah, I remember that that trip, and uh, it, I vaguely remember it being like a really rough and ready kind of brutal 
kind of old school stadium, which I, it's the only ground I think I've ever been in where I've con I've kind of gone, wow, this is this feels massive. Yeah. It just feels an enormous. Yeah. And I've been to grounds which have got uh you know, been to Wembley, which is a bigger capacity, been to uh Barcelona. But I remember Santero thinking, this is just massive. I don't know if it's the pillars outside it, you know, and then mm. the weird look inside where there's like little balconies and concourses where you can watch the game. It's mad, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think, it, well, it'd be a shame they knock it down because it'll be it's a piece, massive piece of history, isn't it? Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they, they again, will be there to photograph it when they build a new one. So that'll be... That'd be exciting. Robert, we've got a few questions on Twitter. Some have been sent to our uh, DMs and, and some on the post. Um, first of all, I think we might have done it at the start, but but what's the best piece of advice that you would give to a, a photographer, whether a beginning or, or someone who's maybe doing it part-time as a hobby? And the second part of the question was, how key is patience? And, and from watching your Cosmo video, I believe you waited an hour, maybe an hour and a half to get that picture of Gareth Southgate after the, the World Cup semi-final. So best piece of advice and, and how important is it to be patient as a photographer? I think I always give the advice that you just just keep grafting, get out, get out there, shoot as much as you can, whether it be pub football, whether it be a little five-side game somewhere. When you're starting out, it's just you harnessing your talent in your creative ideas and learning the camera, how the camera works. I say the different angles, composition, rule of thirds, different settings in the camera. Um, and then once you've kind of got that, start getting your work out there, you know, get it on Instagram, get it out to social media. That's a big part of it these days. Um, start trying to build contact with people. Don't pester people. Don't be a pain in the ass, but, you know, gently just nice ask questions and mm-hmm. try and build that contact up and don't get, you know, bogged down with, like I said, that we spoke about earlier, the price of camera equipment. And at the start, I, I remember looking back now, I, I was, I got to a point where I got a bit, you know, stressed of it all. I knew I wanted to do it. But at the start, you're so free and you, you I think you take maybe some of the best pictures you ever that might do when you're starting out because you're not worrying or getting bogged down by anything. Um, the patient side of thing, I think, yeah, you've got to, sadly, you know, same with the patients of building your way up. The pictures aren't always going to be there. You've got to sort of go go looking for them. Like I say, in the mm-hmm. Southgate picture, I could have easily just packed up and gone back to the hotel and slept. But you're there covering the World Cup. So what is waiting an hour and a half for, you know, that picture? So, yeah, I think it's just training your mind to have that mentality to know that's what needs to be done. What does the future hold for you, Rob? What's the, what's the aspirations moving forward? Is it continue to to go to tournaments and, and hopefully things get back to normal, you can keep going to more games that you can. Are, are, you, are you looking to always work in sport? Are you wanting to cover different sports? You know, what what, what does it look like for you? Um, I think during lockdown, I had a lot of time to think about this and I, I just love what I do, to be honest. I love, I've, I, when I started out as well, I started a shot a bit of music and I know a few people in bands and I like doing that side, side a bit, but I just love shooting football. That might sound weird, but I love just getting in my car and being on the motorway and knowing I'm going to a ground to shoot shoot a game. Like during lockdown, luckily when I got into a game, we've only been rocking up an hour before because that's a time limit to get in. Whereas previously, you'd be rocking up maybe three hours before. So your day is occupied by, you know, going to the football to do your job. I'm really looking forward to like the Qatar World Cup. Again, a country I've never been to, something a bit different. 
Um, say shooting more tournaments, but in the near future, just get back to what I was doing really, because it's been quite tough during lockdown. You're not doing not doing much, so hopefully get back on the road, get shooting a few games a week, um, get the fans back in and get back to life. Hopefully, fingers crossed. That's not too uh, far away. Just two final questions um, from me. As a photographer, there's always a question of where where's best to sit at a ground more of a personal one for you but where do you prefer to position yourself behind the goal or or somewhere on the side it's a strange one is this because a lot of photographers seem to have their like preferred position i'm not too fussy really <laughs> i don't i don't know why i don't know if that's something that matt's kind of drilled into me you can't you can't predict what's going to happen in the game of football you know if if we could do that we'd all be professional betters wouldn't we so I, you know, there's a few games you might rock up late and you sit down in a position that's been given to you. You know, one of the best games of your, you know, your career. You've mopped mm. up and you've got all the pictures nobody else has got them. So you can't put too much pressure on it, really. It depends what mood I'm in. I, I like sitting on the side sometimes, you know, to get some nice wide shots of players running past you the stadium in the background, um, get some nice portraits of managers. Sometimes I might go sitting tight to the goal to get a different aspect on it, you know, not get a different goal shot and get a bit of the goal in or the players are a bit close to you so you can get some better headshots or details on shirts and stuff. There's, there's, diff- there's different reasons for sitting in different places. I've never really thought about it too much, to be honest with you. It's, it's rock up, sit down and, and do my job and do it to the best I can from where I am. Interesting. I'll take that into uh, consideration at my next game. Um, and a final question for me, which we're going to ask all our guests, I think, this series is um, life on the road as a photographer. You're stopping off at service stations, Tesco, whichever other shop you want to go to. But if you were to choose a meal deal, a sandwich, a crisp and a drink, what would that be for you? I'm going to be bored. I'm going to be very, very boring. I'm going to go <laughs> Greg's. I'm in cheese baguette. And Greg's have taken away some of their best crisps, aren't they? So it's on their, their own crisps now. So I'm going to go salt and vinegar crisps. I, I didn't know that. That's big news, that, if that's true. Yeah, they've got their own brand. They've taken away the walkers and stuff. Wow. Shambles. There are, there are other crisp brands available. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm going to go coffee, because when I'm on the road, I like a bit of caffeine to keep me. And it's got to be Greg's, Rob. You're not, a, you're not a pound bakery man, are you? No, I've been known to, but no. Not, <laughs> not, these, not these days. Greg's yeah. on the road. Yeah. You must be doing well for yourself then. If you, can, if you can bypass the pound bakery, that's not for you anymore. Then. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a pound bakery, to be fair. Well, well Greg, fair enough. That pretty much wraps us up, mate. So we've we've loved having you on. Um, right. I think Enjoy for it. anyone um, who will be listening to this and, and um, are in need of a, a really good story in terms of you know going from the, the bottom of sport all the way to the top, I think the way that you've been able to do it um, and also being able to keep your own style and your own way of doing things and um, keeping your personality throughout, Rob, I think it's been brilliant to watch. And, um, you know, someone like me who's, who's, who's one of your pals, but also a really big fan of what you what you do, is really excited to see what happens next for you. Um, I think the, the thing that everyone can say is that we're really excited to hopefully getting some supporters back in stadium soon because it'll make everyone's job miles better. Um, and obviously, hope, hope you'll be able to get back to doing some games soon. But as I say, we've loved having you on. Um, so a big thank you from us. And um, hopefully, uh, see you very soon. Thank you very, very much. Hi, everyone. 
Remember to follow our Twitter page at Press Room Pod for latest updates, guest announcements, and to have your chance to put forward questions to our guests.